0: What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product and user experience. We interview founders and builders
1: to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. The show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant?
0: Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona, and I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io, that's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T.io, for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Pollyon. Now on to
1: today's show.
0: We apologize if the audio quality of this episode is a little bit different than what you've come to expect. The following episode was recorded live and on location at ETH Denver 2020.
1: In this episode, we sit down with Mo Dong, co-founder of Seller Network, a leading layer 2 scaling platform that enables developers to build highly scalable decentralized applications through fast, easy, and secure off-chain
0: transactions. Welcome back, everybody, to Fork the Product. Uh, we are here at ETH Denver 2020, and we are having a conversation with Mo Dom from Seller Network. Uh, Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick, for the invite. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you kick us off by just telling us a little bit about Seller? What is it?
2: Yeah, Seller is this layer two scaling project that is trying to provide a very unified scaling uh, framework for the developers to build their dApps and uh, allow their dApps to reach actual mass adoption. And, uh, you know, the Seller network, uh, you know, to to, to tell, uh, to uh, to explain a little bit more about layer two, layer two is this construct that is building on existing blockchains and do this in a cautiously optimistic approach to assume that most of the applications will progress the state in a collaborative and cooperative way. And whenever there is actually a malicious attempt, it can always revert to the anchoring point of the main chain to ensure the safety of the application. Uh, And at the same time, achieve a a much, much higher throughput, extremely real time interactiveness, and extremely low cost for 99% of the cases. Okay. So is is seller similar to other side chains or is it different? So uh, we, our vision is to, so there are different pieces of uh, uh, scaling technologies, including sidechains, including uh, recently like the so-called optimistic rollup mm-hmm. and also state channel networks. Sure. So what we have been focusing on has been state channel networks. We launched the world first generalized state channel network and we recently just did a mainnet upgrade with full open source node code. Um, but our vision is to build a unified framework to unify all of these different uh, layer two solutions because each of them have different trade off planes. Some of them are extremely good at real time interactive applications. Mm-hmm. Some of them are extremely good at accepting a very large portion, a very large kind of a, a user base in a single application. Some of them trade off tr- uh, security level and trust level with higher performance and lower cost like sidechain. Sure. So, from our view, we are trying to unify all of them together, and we are actually rolling out uh, um, a new construct to unify all these technologies together to provide a uniform and
0: coherent interface for the upper-layer developers. Okay, awesome. So, great overview. Tell us, I guess, I'd like to dig into the product a little bit more. Yeah. Is it, tell, tell us what the product experience is for a developer.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, in terms of product, there are really two products, you know, we are offering. One is developer-facing, and also we are trying to find a niche market for the uh, application users as well. Uh, So for the developers, um, you know, what we have been focusing on is uh, rolling out the uh, sdks uh, to allow them to easily onboard uh, the seller network uh, so we're trying to uh, roll out micro sdks invoice solutions uh, kind of a, we're trying to pack up the lower level capability into kind of application scenarios or middlewares to to up for the application developers to build sure uh, things like micro uh, micro payment uh, uh, for pay-per-use uh, services, mm-hmm. like you can stream a video while you're paying it, uh, or things like uh, you know uh, uh, micro-auction for the uh, you know, advertise, advertisement bidding, mm-hmm. uh, microservice service systems, uh, and uh, also we have a pretty heavy focus on gaming. I noticed that on the website. Yeah. 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 So uh, we actually wrapped all of the complexity away and provided a Seller X gaming SDK. And this particular gaming SDK is not exactly targeting blockchain developers per se, but we're pitching this as a monetization tool for all game developers who have you know, any game they want to monetize and any content they want to monetize. And we're monetizing this. Um, we're, we're provide, so integrating this SDK only takes two lines of code and 10 minutes of your time and no blockchain experience. Um, the, the business model that we're uh, attached to is something called skill-based real money game. Okay. So basically, a user will be able to play these developers' game uh, as a skill-based game, of course, uh, and do competitions against each other and uh, you know, put entry fee into the tournament and receive reward. But there is, a, let's say, you know, Alice uh, and Bob both put $1 into the entry fee. The winner will take only $1.7 and $0.30 cents goes to the developers. Uh, and us, uh, we will do revenue share on that. So it's a very straightforward business model. Sure. But we believe this is like a right niche to cut into. We can talk more about like why we think that is the case later. No, on.
0: Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. actually like to dig into that yeah. uh, in, in a little bit. But tell me a little bit more about the um, the value proposition to the gamers or to the game developers. So you said you know monetize your game in just a few lines of code. Yeah. I guess what does that actually manifest into in in the game? How how is the developer monetizing it? in their experience.
2: Yeah, so let's say, um, let's take a very, uh, very simple example that is a, a very successful game right now on our platform. Uh, it's Solitary. And like, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's yeah. yeah, Solitary, yeah. everyone knows Solitary, right? Yeah. so yeah. Um, now, um, you know, the, the game developer we are working with used to do uh, the Solitary game on Facebook, Insta Gaming, and the mo- main monetization model is to offer ads uh, in the app and, you know, use ad, ad-, 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 ad network to gain revenue. Sure. Um, but that, of course, is a highly competitive market, and you know the revenue stream is not that good. Uh, but the the difference when, when they port the game into uh, our platform, uh, there are two better propositions. First, we remove ads for the users. It's much better user experience because like advertisement always destroy user experience, destroy retention, destroy you know all that stuff. And uh, um, the second is a higher monetization, higher uh, average uh, uh, you know revenue per daily active users. Uh, yeah we're seeing for that particular game, we're seeing about a five to six times higher, uh, you know, ARP for them. Okay. And that just immediately makes sense to them. And they they recently launched a, a solitaire game with kind of a blackjack rule uh, on the platform wow. as well. So, yeah. That is, uh, I think that's fantastic. And,
1: you know, I, I want to mention that we heard you uh, earlier on a panel today, really preaching this mindset of, focus on really specific use cases, even if they're very simple, but focus on simple use cases that allow us to start taking people over from, you know, web two into web three, but potentially without even noticing it. So I I was curious to hear, what is the user experience for the, uh, User of this solitary game, like, do they know they're interacting with blockchain at all? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, they don't. That's that's the thing. Um, so um, that's so actually a beautiful thing. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's that's uh, that's beautiful thing. Uh, we think that you know, um, uh, right now, so uh, in the uh, in the application, we actually have two routes. Uh So we actually so another approach approach we make uh, is, uh, uh, you know, we are trying to kind of. Uh, reach out to non-Blockchain users as well. We have a very close user base in blockchain space. Maybe, you know, if we uh, exclude all the traders uh, uh, who are interested in taking profit, if we're really looking at users, maybe one million, two million users at most. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's probably an overestimation already. Um, but if we're looking at the vast majority of the user base, they don't know about blockchain. So let's get, let's get them to the application first. So <clears throat> when we are uh, advertising these applications, uh, these applications uh, we build are just a, a skill-based real money game, and there are a lot of regulations around that. that we, we in the traditional world, and we, we have to get through and uh, you know, get approved in all aspects of that. Sure, um, sure. And uh, you know once we start to advertise that to them, and they can onboard the application, and we also work with existing payment service providers like Visa, Mastercard, PayPal to allow them to do the um, to do the deposit. But once we gather them in the application, um, the application has two routes. It also has the crypto route. And, uh, you know, of course the crypto route is entirely separated from the uh, payment service provider for compliance reasons. We, course, want yeah. to, we want to be sure uh, to be 100% compliant with our existing payment partners. Sure. Um, but, you know, the offering that we gave users is that, okay, look, if you uh, want to try this new thing called crypto, and uh, you know uh, this is some, uh, this is something called die. You don't mm. need to exactly know what DAI is, but it's just like equals one dollar, um, and <laughs> sure. you, you can use debit card to purchase die. We we actually partner with Wire to do the uh, okay, uh, on, yeah, yeah. uh, on ramp, and uh, you know uh, when you purchase that we also pay the fee for the user to onboard them into a state channel. So once they are in a state channel. There is no transaction fee. There is right. no block confirmation delay. So mm-hmm. all the layer two benefits start to show. So for, to them, there is no you know user experience difference there, and everything is just smooth as they're just using an app and they, they just thought they bought some token and the, you know uh, from one perspective it seems that okay this is a crypto but it seems that it's just like U.S. dollar. And then they cash the when, whenever they cash out, cash that out. Uh, we also like you, you partner with Wire in the cash out process, but at the same time. We say there is a withdrawal fee, which is uh, covering the uh, right. the gas cost. Effectively, right. we're kind of masking the idea of gas cost into sure. kind of a withdrawal fee for them. So, and is there KYC in the wire uh, on ramp? Yes. So the, the on ramp part is not ideal, to be honest. Okay. Uh, the uh, the uh, there is a pretty heavy KYC uh, for wire uh, unless you're using debit card on Apple Pay. Uh, but uh, you know we we're pretty confident that it, you know as the industry grow. The on-run problem is the first problem that every uh, yeah. blockchain application needs oh, to solve. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, we'll find a we, way. Yeah, we will find a, a way. Yeah, we will the... find a way. And 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 to be honest, I think you know it's it's a matter of uh, uh, you know uh, how friendly we are and how the existing ecosystem are to us and how collaborative these two ecosystems are. And uh, you know that's something that uh, you know we look forward to. And uh, uh, but you know we do see users that are converting or adding kind of uh, in both road. Uh, you know, now we're converting some uh, users uh, uh, that is very the demographics is very different from blockchain users. So we're converting uh, twenty-five to thirty-five year old female users to kind of a blockchain users without them exactly knowing what exa- what's going on. Basically, interesting. Wow.
0: What's yeah. the what's the value prop to the to the player? Or mm-hmm. I guess what's their motivation for crossing into crypto in the game? Yeah, well, it's it's like, higher payout. Yeah, higher payout. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and how is that? And I realize this is not. Like you are providing the tooling to enable this two-option approach right. um, that a game developer can offer. But how are they generally framing that to the user? Like When they have that choice, what is the,
2: the messaging? So they, they don't need to. Developer doesn't know about crypto, user doesn't know about crypto. Only we know about crypto.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so developers, they're only providing the content. So all the way along, user paying, user uh, matching in the game, You just start playing the game until the game screen actually get loaded. The game developer doesn't need to do anything. Mm. They they don't need to build the matching UI. They don't need to build the payment UI. All of stuff is handled by us Uh as a uniformed UI, and the the game is just like
0: plug in, drop in the content into this, Sure. and uh, you know it works. So. I guess I'm, I'm imagining that there has to be some sort of constraint around the game mechanics. Oh yeah, absolutely, okay, so. absolutely. So uh, the arena we are operating in is called
2: skill-based gaming, mm-hmm. uh, and skill-based gaming, uh, you know, it, it means that it, you know uh, it cannot be a gambling game, cannot be a game of chance, but a game of skill. Uh, and there are various tests in different states and different countries actually um, to test whether a game is a game of skill or a game of chance. But you know. In broad stroke, it's basically uh, you know if the game is predominantly determined, the result is predominantly de- determined by skill. And by practicing this game, you can get significantly better and better. Um, that qualifies as game of skill. Some examples: Candy Crush is game of skill. Sure. Solitaire is game of <laughs> sure. skill. Uh, Bubble Shooter is game skill. Don't sure. game skill. So yeah. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, yeah. And and so you mentioned solitaire, and they're live with this as an option. Yeah. Um, How many other
2: projects or games do you have up and running today? So we are uh, taking a cautious approach here because, uh, um, you know, uh, so now we're not only talking about the blockchain infrastructure that we build, but also talking about a very concrete uh, product. And when we're shipping product, the product needs to iterate and, you know, through different uh, uh, process. And there is a whole space of user acquisition. So we're in the early stage of user acquisition, um, you know, uh, the whole discussion of CPI, ROI of the user acquisition, seven day retention, day one retention, all that stuff applies to this product as well. And we want to rigorously apply those to grow the users. So um, the trajectory growing is pretty good, but we're constantly doing iteration on this. So we want to release the number of apps that is sustainable on the current user base. We have about uh, 60,000 monthly active users as of right now. uh, you know, so we have been holding off on releasing apps, but there are hundred and different, uh, hundred and two games submitted by to our game developer portal. We just haven't released all of them. We released seventeen on Android and seven on iOS. Wow.
0: Okay. Now, yeah. so there's about three different places I want to go there. But I, I before know. we, before we kind of leave the 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 interaction with game developers. Right you mentioned earlier that you had a very specific thesis on why gaming is an interesting place to start for adoption. Mm -hmm. So, and I think you kind of implied why in the explanation of what the product does, but can you put a finer point on that in terms of why are you starting with gaming?
2: So, uh, you know, early in 2019, when we kind of, uh, you know, uh, strategize in terms of product, we we were asking ourselves, okay, what should be our thesis of finding a niche that fits blockchain adoption, right? So um, several key elements that we identified. Um, First, in itself, Without, let's forget about blockchain for the moment. Um, in itself, it has to be extremely fast growing business because only with that, uh, you know, a new technology can survive in that. If it is already red sea, it's very hard to fight. Um, second, uh, it has to have extremely high trust cost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Uh, you know, the trust cost in the existing financial system has to be extremely high to justify the use of uh, blockchain technology. Sure. and. Um, then uh, the third is that it, ha- it has to be global in nature, um, and uh, you know, meaning that you know it, it's a, again another blockchain is a benefit that it, that we we provide, um, uh, and, but it's also a, a disadvantage of the traditional financial system. It's hard to do right. cross country and all that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the fourth thing is that it, it can help to generate a sustainable revenue for the developer ecosystem. It, it's it can provide a monetization tool for the developer ecosystem. Otherwise. You know, the entire developer ecosystem we see today are either based on uh, early on investment into the ecosystem or based on subsidiary, uh, subsidiary um, for, from different projects like a grant system and stuff like that. We, we don't think that is a system long-term. Um, and as a note, a you know, project with a uh, of million dollar in bank, uh, we, we want to you know, uh, be cautious on that. So, uh, so, so the skill-based gaming fits all of that, uh, all of that uh, uh, you know, four prongs basically. And, uh, you know, I want to, uh, uh, first of all, in itself, it's fast growing, growing, uh, 50 times per year, and uh, with a lot of legislation clarity, um, you know, being Mm -hmm. cleared up in recent years, it's like just zooming, basically. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is uh, high trust cost, meaning that um, it unfortunately gets classified as uh, uh, you know, at the same level of risk uh, of selling, uh, you know, wheat, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what that means is that a, a high-risk merchants uh, is hard to get. Right. Um, and also a merchant account is hard to get and also uh, extremely high fees. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, of course, are collaborating with merchant services. Uh, so uh, we, we do want to uh, respect their merchant because this is not their fault. Again, like none of that is that company's fault you know the credit company doesn't want to charge that that high fee but because of the historical reason of the whole chain mm. of the ecosystem it just have to ends up like that when it reaches us yeah right. so right. the fee is extremely high uh in this space yeah um, and uh, that offers the, a key advantage of using blockchain technology to lower that fee and you know lower the the lower the transaction cost on yeah. that front
1: it's almost as if like they've, they've suffered through multiple cycles of pain and, yeah like there you are. We're we're here to like rescue you from that pain. And right. This yeah. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I th- actually I, I love that framework, and I like that seems like a framework that the entire crypto community should consider applying when thinking about a given use case to mm-hmm. go after. So uh, I'm actually curious how how long has Seller been around at this point?
2: Uh, we came out of sales uh, late uh, 2018, uh, you know, but uh, we started this uh, around mid 2018. So, uh, you know, I think that we, we released the first proof of concept uh, in October 2018. And then right now it's about like one and a half years, one and a half years. Yeah, okay. I mean,
1: that's really great traction. And yeah. um, what, I'm curious to understand what your sort of financing was or funding for the project right. at this point. Uh,
2: so, yeah, we did fundraise uh, uh, in token sales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, uh, pretty healthy in terms of uh, uh, funding uh, yeah. stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but not insanely like two two hundred <laughs> 300 million. <funds>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: and I know on on your website you talk a lot about using really sophisticated token economics mm-hmm. as part of your value proposition. Right. Uh, can you describe uh, what that is a little bit? And always very curious to understand what is the process like to go through that in Understand what is the right token economy model. Yeah. Um, how do you get there?
2: Yeah, definitely. So this also leaks into my uh, my background a little bit. So um, you know, in my, in my PhD study, uh, how the 100x performance get achieved in the uh, in the intercontinental transport protocol is actually by using game theory. Right. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a long time enthusiastic and also a researcher on game theory. Um, so. Uh, you know, just like uh, a layer one, crypto uh, layer one has the crypto economics problem of achieving non forkable non revertible consensus. That's kind of the the, the, the holy grail. Right. Um, and uh, layer two has its own economic, uh, crypto economics problem to solve. Uh, in state channel, and uh, you know, let's just uh, say uh, in, uh, in 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 channel systems like Lightning Network, like generalized state channel, uh, all of these channel systems have one issue that is the uh, watchtower problem. Uh, so if the user goes offline and the user is not watching the state, right. the other party can can be malicious and this build lot right. stuff. So um, you know com- protecting users' state and uh, uh, is very important. Uh, and uh, how we do this is by using a decentralized sidechain. So we actually also have a side chain in the in the, in the system, but as a decentralized watchtower. So you can stake their token and become one of the watchtower services and uh, then receive fee payment from the users, from the uh, node operators, to ensure the security operation of the state channel network. Okay, um, yeah. So that's, that's how that part works. Now we're also expanding into a space of uh, uh, generalized EVM sidechain, and also uh, you know, hi- uh, it's a hybrid system of POS sidechain and the rollup up uh, with EVM compatibility. And the, the same construct will be used in this uh, PY chain process to kind of uh, generate uh, blocks uh, and generate consensus. And for the row up, it will act as the block producer for the row up chains. Um, so uh, so it, it will kind of uh, do the bridge between the, uh, post
0: the, the call data to the to the main chain. Sure. So sure. yeah, that's how it okay. that works. Yeah. so a minute ago, you were talking about your product iteration process mm-hmm. and how is, you know, you're treating it as it is a product and it, so it needs to go yeah. through constant iteration. That's and, right. And those feedback cycles. Mm-hmm. Dig into a little bit of your process for, uh, you know, getting your product out, the feedback loops, the way that you're incorporating that into your product development process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, well, that's... Um, that's the, you know, quote unquote, boring part, <laughs> also, you know, it, this is just, pro- just like any other product. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a constant iteration of go to market and the product iteration. Um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the, the go to market part. Uh, so the product iteration is basically, you know, we, we're looking at the product matrix and we're, looking, we're analyzing what, what the users are doing in the product and how, where they're, they're getting stuck, yeah. what's the retention look like, what's the demographic look like, um, you know, how should we redesign and, uh, you know, uh, fit. The user better so. For example, one thing that we are undergoing, one big change we are undergoing, is that the application now is using material design, which is like very flat, very modern. Uh-huh. Uh, but the gaming app is is a gaming app in the end of the day. Uh, so we are changing this to a very, very gamified kind of a colorful and uh, you know, uh, 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 fun and uh, you know, sure. exciting kind of user it flow. Feels like a game. Yeah, it feels like a game. So the reason was because this particular app was uh, uh, you know kind of originated from a layer two cryptocurrency wallet and along this the kind of this is the, the, the evolution trajectory sure. and we're doing a major refactoring on that. And uh, on the go to market side, um, go to market is very interesting because like uh, uh, Apple doesn't know what, what the heck we're doing. So, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, the first time they say this like crypto, like super nervous, what are you guys doing? Like, uh, um, and we, we, we spent about six months to go through that review process with Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, this is a common problem in, in, in the industry. Right? So, like, imagine how long it takes to for status to go through the review process. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, yeah. even a non-crypto yeah, even app has, <laughs> so yeah, has, and app, also, has um, to create the review process. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Uh, but, but but what we have been trying to do is that we have been trying to be extremely collaborative and, uh, you know, book phone calls and explain what this is, uh, you know, explain why um, this is like nothing that is weird. Um, this is just real my gaming app. It's just not real uh, using U.S. dollar, but like using uh, crypto as well, but se- entirely separate route. There's no compliance issue. We're not, not doing any money exchange. We're not doing money laundering, of course. We're not doing money transmitting service. Sure. None of that. Sure. Um, and that made made the process of uh, like much more smoother. And working with uh, the legal counsels that we have to back us up in the process. It's. It's a long process, but I think it's a,
0: definitely worth it. Um, not only for us, but also for the community. Yeah, I mean, it's the only path. It's right? only path. Yeah. It's that or nothing. I, I am curious on the, the regulation side. So yeah. I guess, what is your internal, what are your internal resources look like from a legal or a regulatory perspective?
2: We are extremely conservative, conservative on the legal side of things. Um, and uh, especially when we're launching real money games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for that, uh, the good thing about that is it has uh, very clar- uh, very good clarity, here, especially in the in the states, um, and uh, you know we operate right now in thirty seven different states, uh, but okay. not all of them, yeah. um, but including Colorado and uh, also uh, including California, and New York, and all these major states, um, and uh, also one hundred and thirty one different countries. Wow,
0: uh, last, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. really yeah. remarkable.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I guess what are the Where do you primarily focus in terms of the game developers that you're focusing on? Is that based in the US? I um, I know you have a team in China as well. From what I understand, even the the sort of mobile app norms and presumably gaming norms Mm -hmm. are very different in China compared to the US. And so uh, curious to hear how you pursue those two markets. uh, Yeah,
2: that's a very good question. So the first uh, interesting thing is that we're not operating in China. Because real money gaming is not yeah it doesn't have a clarity in China so we don't operate there okay uh, yeah. but uh, China does have abundant developer resources uh, very very big especially on the gaming side um, and uh, you know this is a question that I ask myself this you ask a very very good question this is a question I ask myself every day so like uh, you know should we approach the uh, the US gaming market uh, developers or China? China has the advantage of uh, uh, a relatively uh, lower cost in terms of acquiring mm-hmm. developer partners, and at the same time, a higher demand for monetization tools, especially overseas, uh, because the uh, the regulatory uh, constraints there is very high for publishing games. You need to get a pro- approval from the uh, propaganda bureaucracy to kind of approve the, to, yeah. to release any game on there, um, and. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, in, on, on the other hand, <laughs> they may not know the popular games that people like in the, in the, in the States, in the U- European countries that we operate in. Sure. So, you know,
0: it's, it's, it's a balance that I'm, I'm still juggling. I, I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. So my background uh, is in UX. Uh-huh. I was a UX designer before I was ever in products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so UX is always something that's on my mind. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the most important pieces of moving any technology forward. Yep. I'm curious, what is your UX process look like at Seller? Do you have internal people working on UX and if so, who are they interacting with in the ecosystem to make decisions about what the user experience should be like?
2: Yes, so uh, we 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 do have a UX team, um, and uh, our UX uh, uh, folks are uh, you know the, the initial process is basically uh, the, so the entire process looks like this: the product will give a you know rough product you know pretty detailed product description and the specification, sure, and the the UX team will kind of realize in the in, that in the UX space based on. Um, the user demographics that we're we, are, we are facing, and the uh, you know user 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 personas that we define. Um, so in the beginning, our user persona uh, was blockchain users, um, and uh, also like a blockchain uh, blockchain community. Uh, so everything is like very clean and very material design, and you know very flat, modern, uh, you know sharp sure. and all that stuff. Um, you know, but as we when we push out the app to the uh, to the to the market and we start to do advertisement uh, through a systematic user acquisition channels, we start to realize, hey, like our user base, seventy of seventy percent of them are all female users. Um, and this is entirely different from like blockchain user space. Like we, we were building a product that approaches and resonates with them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's 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 look at what they like. And then, you know, we, we take the approach to iterate and, you know, realize that a gamified flow is the right way to do it. And we're kind of in the process of iterating that. So that's kind of how we, how we do the, the, uh, you know, the UX process. And we do user studies and, uh, you know, Ideal Collab actually <laughs> helped us a lot on this. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you know, wow. yeah. Um, yeah. We were in many of their sessions uh, on yeah. research and stuff.
1: Can you talk a little more about what your, how did you engage with them and what that experience has been like?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, <clears throat> I'm just personally a personal friend with Dan, and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. So um, has been extremely helpful to us, and invite us to many of the sessions that they host, I and mean, there was UX and user interviews and stuff like that. Again, get, get, uh, gather a lot of feedback. Um, yeah, so you know, that's that's roughly how the how the process goes. It's uh, it's whenever they have an event, we. Will be eager to hand their high-quality funds, Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic perk. Yeah, have. Yeah.
1: that's very cool. Yeah. Oh, I did want to ask. You're here at ETH Denver. Yeah. Um, what is your approach and your team's approach to interacting with the folks here, and and any observations you have
2: from you know what you've seen thus far this year? So uh, thus far this year, uh, I think I'm seeing a very strong trend in DeFi. So so it's everyone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, I but this, uh, I, I'm always like, a, uh, you know, uh, I like DeFi first of all. I use it day day by day. Uniswap, uh, Dian, you know, swap, and heavy users of them. Uh, but I always think, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, trying to think on the uh, other side of the story, basically. Um, is DeFi actually the right market niche again, right? So is DeFi actually the market right market niche? Uh, or is it is it enhancing and kind of putting leverage on the existing mar- money market we have internal to the blockchain? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, in the end of the day today, day uh, DeFi is uh, uh, a pawn shop, right? So basically, you put stuff, you over <laughs> stuff. and that's the first
0: time I've heard <laughs> uh,
2: that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, oh, that's great.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a pawn shop. Like, and you, you put stuff in, you get some, some, it's, some it's value. So so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, pawn shop doesn't, pawn shop is, is a very long, um, pawn shop exists in four, it started in Italy about 4,000 years ago. Um, and uh, uh, that's the first uh, version of, uh, you know, raising capital, uh, you know, through financial means because it's safe. As long as you have a high liquidity asset, you can kind of pawn and get some, you know, fluent liquidity out. So, but only when uh you know when when we reach uh, the the nearest couple hundred years, the modern banking system of uh, credit-based loan starts to exist. Uh and uh the, the real jump of DeFi I think will it will happen when the on-chain uh component system can support not only uh, over collateralized loan, but credit based loan. Um mm-hmm. the that you know everything is a collateralized. It's it's a credit is a collateralization. Uh, credit is a collateralization on your um you know some say reputation, but I, I would rather not use that word, it's uh, collateralizing your future income or your capability of earning future income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if we can uh, materialize that in blockchain, I think DeFi has an extremely bright future. Uh, but the, the point that I got stuck, uh, it is not, not, not necessarily right though, is uh, how can we migrate that stuff into blockchain? That's a long way to go. Yeah. We would need a reputation layer to get there, <laughs> wouldn't we? I mean, it, it reputation yeah. reputation layer is always worlds. bound with uh, uh, finance transactions. So, right. as long as there aren't enough finance transactions and income flow marks on blockchain that can testify this it is extremely hard to do credit based loan or like that stuff. So, so that's something that I've been thinking, you know, yeah. yeah. And in (laughs) some ways,
1: the I think the concept of having a any type of reputation or even monitoring of history of transactions, even though, you know, blockchain ledgers are transparent, right? I think the concept of using that is somewhat anathema to the ethos of the community. Yeah, people are very reluctant to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how it
2: develops. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it will happen, but uh, yeah. you know, I it, just don't know. I'm it's almost sure it, yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: General observations, uh, things that you're most excited about in crypto in general.
2: In general, not specifically, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is far- <laughs> wide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, things I'm uh, extremely excited about uh, uh, crypto, uh, or very interesting. I think uh, I think regulations actually. Uh, is something that I'm, I'm extremely interested in seeing to be, uh, uh, you know, have clarity and start yeah. to kind of uh, collaborate mm. with the existing ecosystem. Uh, we kind of, uh, um, you know, our community kind of uh, born as kind of the, the rebel of the right, uh, yeah, of, of the <laughs> of the batch, um, and uh, we always carry this kind of rebellion, uh, you know, symbol around us. But uh, that's that's not going to work long term. Like yeah. uh, you know, um, we, we, there's a Chinese saying that you know. Um, Water drops can, you know, kind of uh, go through a, a heavy stone, basically, yeah. right? So, um, uh, uh, I would rather see that happen uh, instead of a kind of a, you know, a smashing an egg on a hard rock, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I think that's going to solve a lot of problems, uh, including uh, the the problem that I want to be solved the most on ramp.
0: Uh, yes. People. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if we flip that question around a little bit, so what are you most, I guess? Or where do you see the most friction for the industry in maybe the next year or two? Uh, the most
2: friction for the industry, I think, uh, uh, still um, you know uh, the, the skill-based gaming shouldn't be shouldn't be the only niche that is viable in sure. the blockchain. Uh, so what else? Uh, it's a it's, it's a question that I also constantly think, um, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, maybe I'm probably like too occupied with uh, the current stuff, but I don't have like a broad, broad vision But I, I do want to see the community come up with more and more kind of a, a product uh, market fit or market niche uh, That is uh, appealing to normal users than if outside of the uh, blockchain space basically, yeah.
1: and outside yeah, of speculation absolutely. Outside of speculation, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah.
2: Pushes to mainstream. That's yeah, yeah. That's the that's the friction that I want to see. Yeah, and I, we've heard that a lot in yeah. the past two days. I mean, it's oh. on everybody's mind. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. Well, Mo, this has been fantastic. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find out more about selling?
2: Yeah, so uh, you can always find uh, more things about us at stellar.network that's our website. And uh, on that website, you can find all sorts of links, including on Medium. We always post news and uh, weekly update on Medium. And you can join Telegram and find me there and I'm pretty active there. Um, and uh, yeah, and finally, you can uh, go to Apple Store. We spent six months talking to Apple, so you can, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, search for 3x and uh, uh, try our games and, uh, you know, give us five stars. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much
0: for joining. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Thank, you, Thank yeah. you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time.
1: All right,